0: what is up everybody my name is matt cordova i'm the senior pastor here at the river and we are excited that you are listening to our podcast now before the message starts there's three things that we would love for you to do one we would love for you to share it two we would love for you to subscribe and three we would love for you to go and rate it so the message is about to begin i hope it encourages you and i hope that you know that god has a plan for your life
1: so far. Good job, you guys. Thank you. Good job. Um, If this is your first time here, don't be alarmed. We only do this once a year, uh, where the kids get to come up, and they get to show you what they got. Um, We know that there is no junior Holy Spirit, so whatever gifting God has put inside of you, God has—it's already in the kids. And so, as family— Uh, We give them the opportunity to practice and to be up here and to use their gifts. Um, Hey, and, you know, if they make a mistake and they kind of fumble and they're like, "Um, I forgot where I'm at. Um, Let's encourage them. Let's cheer them on. Because who hasn't made a mistake? You know, we're family. So this is the safest place to make a mistake. Right. Right. Um, so, without further ado, I would like to introduce our first speaker. We're going to have several speakers come up, and they're all short. They're all little clippets uh, of our youth. Um, and so, first, I'd like to start with Miss Cassie Jones. Would you come up here? Woo! And, you know, I, I have to brag a little bit, because Miss Cassie and then one of our speakers who's about to come up, um, Ali Lofink, they are doing this this morning they're doing their their, they're speaking and then they are also having a, a dance recital tonight so they're like just on top of it like they are they're all about it so very proud of you
2: okay I'll give it to you okay um if you don't know me already I'm Cassie and um I'm so excited to be up here today sharing my message and at first I was about to back down I was excited and then Um, I let Satan in and he was discouraging me, telling me I didn't have enough faith, telling me I wasn't worthy enough. So I stepped up and I said, I'm going to listen to the Lord. I'm going to, um, share my message with, um, adults. And I never thought I would be up here sharing with adults. So this is going to be new, but I'm happy I'm up here. And so if y'all join me in prayer, um, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this beautiful morning and everything you have provided for us. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that me and all the other kids um, have to preach for you. Lord, I um, ask that you lead my tongue, uh, guide my words. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'll be uh, doing my message on Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Through 30. And I chose these three verses because they spoke the most to me and they give me peace on the days I can't focus or can't find rest when I have a hard time going to school, going anywhere. I meditate on these verses and they help me find rest. And I hope when I break this down, this helps you find rest and you can go back to this. Um, and these really just break down, how you can find rest, how you can go to him. And so we'll start off with verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. God wants you to go to him, even the weary and burdened. He doesn't want you sitting in this puddle of shame and weariness and pain. He wants you to go to him, and in return for all of that, he will give you rest. He wants you to be peaceful and in love, and his grace. He does not want you in that pain. He wants you to rest with him, and it says, I will give you rest if you just seek him. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For he is gentle and humble in heart. He wants to give you rest. He is so gentle, and He wants you to take his yoke upon you. He wants you to hold that to you close to your heart and learn from him. He wants you to be like him. He wants you to copy his steps like he was. He wants you to go be his disciples. He wants you to learn from him. And he will give you rest for your souls if you just seek him and be like him, learn from him, and he will give you rest. Verse 30 for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When I first read that, I did not understand it. I was like, oh. So I was about to take it out, but the Lord was like, no, you need to read this more and you will understand. And so I finally got it. And he wants you to hold his yoke again. And when it says my burden is light, We don't want the light. We're like, no, I don't want it. I don't want the light. It's not going to help me. I don't need it. But really, you do. That's how you're going to get the rest when you just put your hand down and let it in because it's going to come in sooner or later. You have to let it in. You can't just be here. No, I can't take it. I can't. You need it. God wants to give it to you. He is more than willing to give that to you. And that's all from me. I'm going to welcome Allie LoFink to the stage.
3: Hi, (laughs) okay, need one second. Okay, hi, I'm Allie Lofink. I'm in eighth grade, and I was given the opportunity to speak at Generation Takeover. Um, When I signed up for this, I knew exactly what I wanted to talk about. It's called humanity versus humility. Now, the humanity part I understood completely. It's showing how Jesus was not only... Christ in heaven but man on earth and that means a lot to me and I'm sure it would mean a lot to you but the humility part got me I was like what do you want me to do with this what is the point of the humility when I sat down and I was like what do you want to do with me with this I realized that the word humility is how I want to view myself and I I realized that this was not only for you to learn from me but from me for me to learn from God um, humility is the way that I want God to most speak to me. It's the way he knows I can better myself, and it's the way I want to for reflect Christ in my life. The definition of humanity is the quality or state of being human containing human attributes or qualities. The definition of humility is a modest or low view of one's own importance or humbleness. Ways that Jesus shows humanity is, in John 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. It means a lot to me because it... Again, it shows how Jesus is not only man in heaven, he is perfect, but he was man on earth, and he lived on this earth, and he showed us what it means to live as him on the earth. Um, Other ways, he laughed, he feared, he was baptized, he feared when he knew he was going to die. He knew that he wanted to, he knew that he was going to do that for us, but he was still scared because he was human on earth. Ways Jesus shows so humility? humility is he washes his disciples' feet in John 13, verse 4 through 5. Um, okay. I do not like feet. So <laughs> <laughs> this part is like insane to me because when I think about that, like he just sat down. He was like, hey, I know we're supposed to be eating, but let me wash your feet. Let me sit down right here. Let me sit down and let me wash your feet. His disciples sat in this room. They expected to eat. And he wanted to wash their feet. <laughs> My mom's love language is physical touch, soon right over there. Um, she loves it. She's all for it. And she likes to touch me with her feet. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no, I will give you hugs. But Jesus, all he thought about in that room was the fact that these were his disciples. He didn't think about what they were doing outside of that room, what they did right before they came in. He knew that in that room, they were his disciples. And that's all he wanted to do was serve them. So, humility is a big part of Jesus' identity. So, what is ours? And how do we fulfill our purpose if we don't understand it? Um, so, the definition of identity is a fact of being who or what a person or thing is. So, yes, your hobbies, what you did outside of that room, what those disciples did outside of that room, do um, fill your time. They do occupy, occupy you momentarily, and they do make you happy momentarily but your identity changes your perspective from doing things for the Lord's benefit. (laughs) Um, Sorry. (laughs) Okay. Um, A verse that was given to me by Jake Childers is uh, Philippians 3, verse 7 through 9. It says, But whatever were gains to me now, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus is my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Um, That verse really just explains that everything that, that those disciples did outside of there did not matter because... In that room, they were Jesus' disciples. So I said in the beginning, humility is a big way I want to define myself. So 1 Corinthians 10, verse 24, says nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. I love that verse because it shows that you can do things and you can can spread God's love. (laughs) Um, And you can put yourself in the light without having to be all boastful with it. You can do it. For the Lord. Okay. Proverbs eleven, verse twenty-five says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. That verse, I love that verse because it just feels like the word refreshed just feels like lemonade or like your favorite food. It just feels like something that's gonna calm you down, and I think God is like your favorite food or lemonade or something that you that can refresh you. Another verse. I have another one. Give me a second. The difference between humility and humanity, in my definition, is the way that Jesus shows it. Jesus showed that he heals and loves others for the good of the Lord. Each healed and loved person will in turn love the Lord. Okay, now the next person will be J.D. Williams.
0: I don't know how I'm going to top that. That was amazing. Hi, I'm JD Williams. I'm up here today to tell you that you are not alone. Even in your worst times, what I mean by that is God is always by your side. Jesus is always by your side. When you're going through something rough, or if something's holding you back, like losing a loved one, or a breakup, or moving away from your hometown, like when I moved from from Penhandle to Borger, it's pretty hard. I didn't know what I was gonna do, but God was with me every step of the way to help me make new friends and hang out. And now I have some of the best friends anyone could ever ask for out in Borger. So I have this verse. It's Matthews chapter 11, verse 29, which quotes, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And what a yoke is, this is a yoke up here on this screen. It's a yoke is a wooden cross piece that is fastened over the necks of two animals and attached to the plow or cart that they are to pull. What I gathered from that is that God is taking like all this weight from you and all this pain and helping you hold it high above your head. And he will keep holding that all that weight with you till the end of time. Because God is with you. You want to know why? Because you are not alone.
2: You're not alone, even in your
0: worst time. <laughs> Okay, all this weight is above my head right now, but God has helped me hold it high above my head. Sorry, Naomi, I didn't mean to drop the mic. (laughs) Okay, see, you're not alone. You're not alone. None of y'all are alone, okay? None of y'all. See, what I want y'all to walk away with from this message today is that it's all team effort, and you have the greatest team on earth. Thank you. I'd like to welcome up Chloe Kowalewski.
4: My name is Chloe Kowalewski, and I am a senior. After the last Gen Takeover, God put it on my heart that I needed to get up here and preach, knowing that I do not do well with public speaking. I fought with him for months, then decided it was time to move past the fear, so here I am. The past few weeks, I laid everything down and asked for guidance in what I needed to say. The only thing that came up was quitting. There have been many instances in my life where I wanted to give up, and I can guarantee that many of you have too. If you take the two or three most successful people that you know in your life, they will have two things in common. One, they wanted to quit, and two, they didn't. We are all a byproduct of the many people who have poured into us. Teachers, leaders, parents, coaches, mentors, and the experiences associated with each. I thank the Lord for those people who have poured into me and for helping me not quit. When things get tough or when life seems pointless, we think about quitting. We quit marriages, jobs, and pursuing pursuing our dreams. Even in Scripture, you see people wanting to quit on God. The Bible has a long list of people that wanted to quit. Many people in Scripture had to fight discouragement and the desire to give up. David wanted to quit. Moses, Abraham, Paul, and Peter all wanted to quit. Man after man, woman after woman, they all felt like quitting at some point in their lives. Anyone who has done something great for God has wanted to quit. We all need to cut the word quit out of our vocabulary. We need to tell the enemy that just because we've wanted to quit doesn't mean we have. You have to believe that even Jesus on the cross wanted to quit, but chose not to. There was a joy set before him on the other side of the cross. He knew knew that he had a greater purpose. He was beaten and bruised, but he would not give up. Great men and women are just men and women who wouldn't quit. Greatness is upon you because greatness lives in you which gives you the ability to keep going. When the road God has called you down is filled with obstacles, then the thought of quitting will creep into your mind. Here are three statements about quitting. One, wanting to quit is a sign of success. Greater attack comes to those who experience greater success. Two, the more you have to quit, the more you want to quit. The higher you go, the lonelier, the riskier, and more vulnerable you become, and the easier it becomes to shed yourself of that heavy load and quit. Too much is at stake to give up now for great is your reward if you will keep going. Three, you can enjoy the luxury of wanting to quit if you know you're not going to quit. Your history is one of finishing what you start. It is who you are so it's okay to have those thoughts without worry because you know you're not going to quit. Now y'all may ask what I do when I feel like quitting or what you can do to help from quitting. One, burn the bridges behind you. Face forward at your opposition and take it head on. Two, don't tell any, everyone you want to quit. Some people may take you up on it or convince you to do so. Three, don't expose yourself to who you don't want to be. That can be people you associate with, places you go, the books, music, movies, and other media that you consume. Four, Lock yourself in so you can't quit. Stay focused on what you have as opposed to looking for a way out. There's a difference between a made-up mind and a transfixed heart. God built you for the call. He built you and called you specifically. God has a purpose for you just as he does for each and every one of us. He has already equipped you with the tools necessary to ride through the terrain. If he called you to it, he will get you through it. We often expect the Lord to come to us with a big revelation. But in reality, God speaks to us in a still, small voice. In the quiet times, he speaks calmly to us. If we're not in tune and actively listening, we might miss it. He speaks softly. Oh, I lost my place. Now oh, there we are. But he can often act rapidly. In the times where we want to quit, God shows up. He will never give up or quit on us, even when we quit on ourselves, even when we quit on him. Sometimes we have to ask the Lord what it is that he is trying to speak to us. We often ask him to remo- remove us from painful situations, but the reality is that we should be asking God what we can learn from these situations. He gives us power through our weaknesses. When we feel that we cannot walk on our own and we need to be upheld, God will grab hold of us and keep us up. Right? He takes care of us. One of the greatest mistakes we can make as Christians is assuming that we should never feel like quitting. Such feelings, we are often told, are not representative of someone who places their hope in Jesus. Those feelings mean that we don't trust God enough and we're relying too much on ourselves. A good Christian or true Christian shouldn't have these thoughts. The problem with this line of thinking is that it ignores what we see in the Bible. Take Elijah, for example. Elijah was a powerful prophet, and God used him mightily. And as we read the story of what God did through him, it's impossible to come away with any other conclusion other than Elijah was a man of great faith. And yet, after being used by God in incredible ways, Elijah still wanted to quit. He was faithful, and he knew the true power of God, but he wanted to give up. The point here is simple. No matter how close you are to Jesus, it is normal to hit seasons where you're ready to throw in the towel. It doesn't mean your faith is weak. It doesn't make you a bad Christian. It doesn't mean you've done wrong and God is punishing you. It means that you are human. Through the story of Elijah, we see more than just the moment he wanted to quit. We see three steps that will help us make it through when we want to quit. One, take care of yourself. Immediately after Elijah tells God that he wants to die, God tells him to do something. He doesn't tell him to pray or even to read the Bible. He told him to get up and eat. We should not dismiss the importance of taking care of ourselves when things get so bad that we want to quit. That includes things like eating right, exercising, and resting. We can't control our circumstances, but we can control whether we let ourselves go or take care of our body. Taking care of yourself puts you into a position to take one step forward at a time. Two, get in front of God. In the process of wanting to quit, the Lord keeps asking Elijah the same question. What are you doing here? The single most important thing we can do when we want to quit is to get in front of God. It's often the exact opposite thing that our instincts tell us to do. Elijah ran. We normally avoid church, distract ourselves with mindless activities, and try to numb the pain through various methods. We avoid the one thing that is most helpful. Three, go back. Often the desire to quit leads us sideways. When we run away as we want to quit, we step off the path God has for us. When we want to quit, the best thing we can do is go back and remember what God has given us responsibility over. We can't control the outcomes. Those are up to God. But we can control our inputs and whether we are being faithful to what God has said in the first place. Wanting to quit isn't something we can just snap out of. It's something we journey through. As we take care of ourselves, get in front of God, and get back to doing what God has made us responsible for, then we can move forward one step at a time. And then Psalms 37:24, it says, "Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand." Thank you. And now I welcome up Emma Tau.
5: Okay, my name is Emma Tao, and I'm a senior this year, and when I signed up to speak for this, I had a really hard time figuring out what I wanted to talk about. So I did what I always do, and I can't figure out what to do. I did some research. Usually it's figuring out what new ear piercing I want, and now that I'm 18, it's researching tattoos, so sorry, mama, but. uh, (laughs) For Jen Takeover, I went to Bible Project, which is this short little videos over different parts of the Bible. I researched different topics that made me wanna learn more. So if you have your Bible and want to flip to Exodus 34, 6, that's where I'm going to be at first. So finding the words to describe what God is like is one of the most difficult things. But after looking into it and getting into my Bible, I found the perfect verse that's literally telling us what God is like. So Exodus 34, 6 says, The Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving inquiries, rebellion, and sin. There are many places in the Bible that describe God, and these five words are mentioned repeatedly. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, loyal in his love, and faithful. The first word that was used to describe God was compassionate. In Hebrew, it's translated to the word rahumim, also related to the Hebrew word that means womb. Imagine a mother's love for her child. In the story about King Solomon, there are two women claiming a baby is theirs after one of the babies die. He uses the test of telling them to cut the baby in half. The real mother would rather the other woman take care of the baby. Her compassion is what shows King Solomon that she is the true mother of the baby. In Isaiah 49, 15, it says, Can a woman forget her nursing child or lack compassion for the child of her womb? Even if these forget, yet I will not forget you. Another part of the Bible that God shows compassion is when the Israelites are in the wilderness. He provides food and everything they need. Even after he does this, they still turn away from him and worship false gods. God shows his compassion by joining the suffering of his people by bringing Jesus into this world. Jesus is God's deep compassion in human form. He has so much compassion for us that Jesus died to rescue us and bring us closer to God. We are called to be compassionate just like Jesus was for all of us. The second word used to describe God was gracious. In Hebrew, it's translated to the word hen. And Esther, when she goes to ask the king that her and her people be spared from death, she calls it a request for him. He favors Esther and agrees to her wishes. God is so reliable that over 40 times in the book of Psalms, people cry out for God's graciousness. Jesus is also described as God's graciousness when he was sent. Jesus' life was offered to us as a gift of life. The third word was slow to anger. When I think of God being slow to anger, I kind of laugh to myself because I think of all the times God is striking down people for their sins. In Hebrew, the translation for slow to anger means long of nose. The common biblical way to say that someone is angry is to say their nose burned hot. It describes how your face gets hot when you're mad. This is why in Hebrew they describe people who are patient as long-nosed because it takes a long time for the end of their nose to get hot. God is angry when he witnesses human evil. God's anger is an expression of his justice and his love for the world. But being slow to anger for God is describing him as giving us lots of time to change. In the story of Exodus, God sent Moses to talk to Pharaoh. He's given 10 chances to set God's people free. He has his own evil turned on him because at the beginning he had all the sons thrown in the water and that's how Pharaoh ended up dying. He had to suffer the consequences of his own actions. God gives people so many chances. In many situations that people get themselves into in the Bible, like Israelites wanting to worship other gods, God eventually handed them over to their enemies. He gives people so many chances, and he still wants us even when we mess up or try to run away from him. God is like a parent. Even when we mess up and he's frustrated, he still loves us. The fourth word was loyal in his love. God is generous, loving, and committed. He's so loyal and cares about us so much. In the story of Ruth, she has nothing besides her mother-in-law, Naomi. Naomi tells Ruth she should go back to her people, but Ruth decides to stay with her. Ruth shows the same attribute that God has by keeping her promise to her mother-in-law that she will always stay with her. It's an unconditional promise. God chooses so many people, even throughout the Bible, that don't treat people with love and kindness. He loves them even through their bitterness. God kept his promise to all of the Israelites and brought them out of slavery. This is just one of the millions of ways God shows his loyal love. The Israelites are scared and at one point threatened to kill Moses and appoint a new leader. Moses asked God for the forgiveness of them even though they don't deserve it. God agrees because this is part of his character. Even when they don't show their love for God, he still shows his love for them. Even when you are in a hard place and you don't show your love for God, he will always show his love to you. And the fifth point was God is faithful. Faithfulness translated in Hebrew is the word emit. When the word emit was described, was used to describe people as reliable or trustworthy. The first person to describe God as Amit is Abraham. God makes a promise to him and his wife that they will have a huge family. They've never been able to have kids, and they're old, so it's always been a struggle. But Abraham knows God is trustworthy. In Romans 15:8 through 9, it says that Jesus came on behalf of God's faithfulness. Trusting people is a hard thing to do, but God is the most faithful of them all and will always be there for you. In conclusion, these are just a few examples of how God is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, loyal in his love, and faithful. He will always be there for you no matter what and always want you at any point in your life. I'm a senior and I'm about to be moving out on my own. I need to remember that God is always on my side. He's always here for me and always loves me. I'm going to mess up because that's just human nature to make mistakes. But I need to always remember that I can recover through him. He wants you to follow him in the things he wants for your life because they will never disappoint and will always make and will always be more than what you thought you could get on your own. Thank you.
1: I feel like it's a Wednesday night. Like, I feel like I need to bring out the bucket of candy and like play a game. I have to remind myself that it's Sunday and that there's a bunch of adults in here. <laughs> uh, listen, hey, on Wednesday nights, I, I remind the kids every Wednesday when they come all in and we're having fun and getting rowdy, that we come to youth group for three reasons. Um, we want to know God more. We want to learn something. We want to dive in. And we do that by, I always have a message um, and I do my due diligence to study up and uh get a a good one ready for them. And then we also do 10 minutes of quiet time. I don't know if y'all knew that, but we do 10 minutes of quiet time right after worship. So that way the kids can have uh, just one-on-one time with them and the Lord. And that might be a new habit for them. And so we do that to encourage them to like, this is what it feels, this is what 10 minutes of silence feels like, and that's new for them. Uh, And then another reason we come to youth group is we wanna challenge ourselves to grow. Um, You can come as you are, but people are always transformed after meeting Jesus. So we gotta be challenged to change. Um, And that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. Um, So we come in here and I challenge them to grow. And we do that by having small groups. Uh, After I give the message, they all go into their small groups and we have questions that they go over of, you know, what does it look like at school, at, at practice, on the field? What does this look like? How do we apply this to tomorrow? How do we apply it right now? How do we do that? And the third and final reason that they come to youth group, to find family to find community, to find connections, and again, through our small groups. And uh, we play a lot of games. We're pretty ornery. We're a really ornery batch, Um, but we we have lots of fun. We actually played a game not too long ago, and our very own Sydney, she was like in a brace because they play so hard. Uh, She was okay. She made a full recovery, so she's fine, but we mean business about our games. I do need to give credit where credit is due. We have a lot of small group leaders that come every Wednesday. Matt always says, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, you go as a team. Um, and that is that is the truth. Um, I cannot thank my small group leaders enough. You guys really, really do the heavy lifting. Um, so we have, I'm going to say your name. If you could just stand up. Um, so, everybody can see your beautiful face, and then we'll give you a big round of applause. We have Brittany Porter, uh, Vinka Bertrand, Tatiana Graham, Tara Bowerman, who was with us for a while, uh, Tori Durst, Malia Graham, Jasmine Hernandez, Jason Foreman, Dustin Copenhaver, Jake Childers, my husband Dawson Hackett, and Riley Graham. So, go ahead, stand up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. They really do some of the heavy lifting in youth ministry, no lie. I mean, they reach out to kids. We've had some really hard conversations, lots of tears and we pray it out, pray together. Um, And they do a lot, they do. I know they have like, this is my job. So like, it's no big deal for me, but like for them, like they have a career and a family and they take the time out of their routine to come up on a Wednesday. And that means the world to me, Um, especially after watching all these kids speak and watching these kids worship. I know that our future is in good hands. There really is, it really, really is. Um, So speaking of future, I'd like to welcome up our seniors. We have Chloe Kowleski, go ahead and come up. Emma Tao and Moses Montgomery, all the way in the back on the tech team. These are our seniors this year. Now these kids are like true river babies. Um, They've been here a long time. Uh, They've been here since they were little. Uh, Chloe Kowleski will be going to AC for nursing. Uh, Emma Tau, yep, go ahead. (laughs) Emma Tau will also be going to AC for sonography. And then our very own Moses will be going to WT for computer engineering. Um, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Moses has actually been on the tech team. He serves just about every Wednesday. Um, he serves on the tech team. Is it how long? At least four years. I know that. Like seven or eight. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's such a servant's heart. And then Emma Tau. Emma Tau's like a sister to me. Uh, I work with her mom and I actually call them sister, like big big sister and little sister, and we're real ornery. Um, I love her so much. And then Chloe Kowalewski, I'll never forget. She was so sweet. Uh, we have an upperclassmen retreat that we do um, just to bond and um, you know make those connections and have fun, of course. And um, I hurt myself. I was on crutches. I sprained my knee. And I remember I didn't even have to ask Chloe. She just stepped up to the plate and like, I was like trying to make dinner and I was like wobbling around, but she was like already doing it. She had already gotten it started. She like they they cleaned the whole house. And um, yeah, she just showed so much leadership. Now um, every year we give out two scholarships to the seniors. And this year I was like, you know what? I don't know how I'm gonna choose. All three of them display such good character. Um, They all have great leadership. They're all servant-hearted. They're consistent, they come. And so I figured we'd just give all three y'all a scholarship. So here you go, Moses, Emma. All right, well, y'all agree with me in prayer real quick and um, then we'll go to some worshiping. All right, Lord, I just thank you for these seniors. Father, I thank you for Chloe, Emma, and Moses. Lord, I ask that you would just bless their paths, that as they follow you through the ups and downs and all the curves of life, that they know that you are good, that they would know that you are their father and that you love them and that you have a purpose for their life and that whatever season they are in, good or bad, crazy, whatever, Lord, that you are their father and that they can lean on you, that they can look to you, that they can find comfort and peace and rest in you. When the unexpected happens, they know that you are still there, that you were still present in their life. Father, I ask that you would bless their quiet time as, as they read your word, that you would just jump off those pages and reveal to them
0: yourself. Jesus. Hey, that's the message. I hope it encouraged you. I hope it inspired you. I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. In fact, if you would like to join us as a part of our online campus and you would like to watch the video as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing week.